your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by Enzymedica with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, a conversation of hope for Tuesday, November 25th. I'm Terry Aranga, and my guest today is Dr. Stuart Friedenfeld. Dr. Friedenfeld is the medical director of Stockton Family Practice in Stockton, New Jersey. He is a Defeat Autism Now physician and lectures at Dan Conferences. Stockton Family Practice addresses conditions such as autism, chronic fatigue, allergy, and autoimmune issues. Dr. Friedenfeld employs a vast array of routes to health and healing and teaches the integration of the routes most appropriate to the individual. Dr. Friedenfeld, thank you for joining us. Well, thank you for having me, Terry. Dr. Friedenfeld, I've been starting uh, interviews lately with the same question, and it's always interesting uh, to hear the answers and to remind listeners uh, of this uh, issue. What do you think autism is? And do you think that autism and other neurological conditions have similar etiologies? I think that autism has similar etiologies to a lot of what we're seeing today, whether it's the uh, neurodegenerative diseases, the cardiovascular diseases, arthritis, um, a lot of the autoimmune diseases. What we're seeing is the effect of environmental toxins acting on genetically susceptible individuals. And those genetics may differ from individual to individual. The array of (coughs) genetic abnormalities or genetic variations will vary. Um, The expression of the disorders will vary according to when the exposures uh, occurred, what type of exposures they were. Um, And I think the kids we're seeing now at a very young age if they were born in a very pristine world, might do very well. And if they were later exposed to environmental toxins, we might see a whole different array of, of disorders and diseases. Right. I like the, the way you use the word pristine because uh, in my case, I feel as if my child had been born in a pristine environment, um, say with clear, pure water, and I had uh, never... Uh, went to the maternity ward and I had him in the forest among the furry woodland creatures, he probably wouldn't have autism. Uh Uh-huh. That's just my own perspective. Might get poison ivy, though. (laughs) Touche. From the time that I was in grammar school until I was 21, I heard the DuPont slogan on TV that went, better living through chemistry. How do you feel about that slogan in relation to what was happening in earlier decades with the use of chemicals in people, in homes, and in the environment? I think it's incredible arrogance to think that we as a species are going to do a better job in determining health and what makes people and keeps people and the planet healthy in excess of what a millions of years of evolution, nature, 
deity. I, I think it's, it's incredible arrogance to think that we'll do a better job. Mm. Point well taken. And then uh, something else that listeners may not know about. I, I know when I was in K through 12 in, in school, I don't remember one single lesson on the endocrine system. Uh, we probably hear more about the nervous system. Can you please explain for our listeners what the endocrine system is and what it does and how chemicals can exert their toxic effect upon the body system? Well, first of all, it, it is a, a very fictitious way of looking at the body to break it up into systems. And this is something that we've done in, in grammar school through medical school where there was a different chapter associated with the different systems, as if they were independent of each other. Uh, I think the endocrine system is more appropriately looked at as a neuroendocrine immune gastrointestinal system. Uh, there is a tremendous interlink between all of that, uh, and, and that's really what we see in the kids. We don't see just one system, just, just one uh, a problem in the brain, we see a problem that involves the brain, the immune system, the GI tract, uh, and the endocrine organs. So the endocrine organs are organs that secrete hormones and, uh, and, and other substances. These uh, may be hormones like thyroid hormone, uh, estrogen, testosterone, um, cortisol, uh, hormones that affect changes that way. The endocrine system will also produce substances that affect our digestion uh, that will influence our immune system. All right. So when one thing is thrown off, it throws everything else off? They are, are, are completely interlinked. Is this, uh, the way you're explaining this, is this a fundamental difference between what's being called mainstream medicine and integrative or holistic medicine? Well, I think integrative medicine takes it to a level uh, that we didn't appreciate in our conventional mainstream medical education. And every, every physician that is practicing integrative medicine went through medical school. We all learned the same things. Uh, and, in fact, the, the first two years of our medical education was really focused on biochemistry and cell physiology, how the body functions. It's the second two years of medical school that we were taught to ignore all of that learning and, and instead replace it with a, a cross-hatching of disease and pharmaceutical response. Mm. Now, you describe on your website um, when you kind of had an epiphany. Do you want to describe uh, anything about that to our listeners? Ah. Um, I, I believe, it's been a long time since I've read that. Um, when I came out of my medical training, I, I had a certain orientation uh, just as, as a human being. But that was pretty much directed by my medical training where we were really looking at diseases and treatments. Um, there was a young physician one day who came and knocked at my door and literally asked if I had room for another doctor. He was looking to set up practice. And, oh, by the way, he had been studying um, acupuncture and homeopathy and herbal medicine, 
would it be okay if he did that? And I thought that was wonderful. Sure. Um, he began to teach me that aspect of, of healing, but he did it in a way that didn't click with my science-based mind. There's a way of looking at herbology, uh, say, where we're talking about energy, and it, it, it's a dialogue that's a little difficult to interlink with chemistry and science. So I began learning that way, and that was a very influential experience, but it never clicked. It was almost like trying to uh, write poetry in a language you don't really understand. Mm. It just doesn't flow well. Uh, I went to a conference. That's what happened. I had three patients in one year with cardiac problems that I sent for uh, evaluation for bypass or angioplasty. And two of them died, uh, one at, an at the angiogram where they were just looking at the arteries, another one when they did the angioplasty, and the third one lived but had a horrible year of recovery from this surgery. Um, and I felt that there must be something else. And I'd heard about this chelation thing. Uh, and I went off to study it with a group called ACAM. That's the American College for the Advancement of Medicine. I spent a five-day conference there where, for the first time in my training, the lectures were taught by scientists who were doing the research, not by doctors who were working for pharmaceutical companies. Mm. And it was just awe-inspiring. I, I was drinking in this new knowledge to the point that I, I, I literally didn't sleep for five days. Mm. I was just up and reading and studying, and it has been a an experience ever since then. I have never stopped learning and experiencing and adding more and more uh, ways of healing. Well, the kids and your patients are very fortunate that you were a vessel who was willing to receive that information and enlightenment. Um, a lot of doctors... Thank you. You're welcome. A lot of doctors uh, say that they didn't even learn about, you know, autism in medical school. Nurses say that, too. Um, it seems odd to me to hear that doctors wouldn't routinely, you know, think about chemistry and energy and such as being related. Well, I, I am old enough that when I was in medical school, we truly were taught about refrigerator moms. Mm. We went on a field trip to see the six or seven autistic children in that area of New Jersey that were all kept in the lower mm -hmm. level of a ranch house with a gated uh, area. Mm -hmm. uh, and they were stuck in there with a, you know, a bunch of balls and little objects to bounce off of. And our training was that this was basically childhood schizophrenia uh, caused by parents who didn't relate to their kids. Uh, so that was my autism training. I was pretty effective, I guess. Well, you know, you've been doing this for a while and have uh, been able to see the paradigm change. You've been in the field for about 30 years, and you've been offering integrative medicine at Stockton Family Practice for 15. Correct me if I'm wrong. So, I think it, it's longer on both counts. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. And, yeah, no, we did. We opened it in 1978. Uh, so my training goes back about five years before that. And we've been involved with the autism, yeah, sure, for about 12, 15 years now. 
Right. Well, in your medical practice, have you seen a rise in various conditions that you feel correspond with the use of synthetic and other toxic compounds and byproducts? I know we were talking about that a little bit earlier. There's certainly been a rise in, in a whole host of disorders that were rare in the past. Um, it, 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 it is likely that that's due to environmental toxins. I think that it, it's extremely likely. But the fact that they were rising coincidentally doesn't prove that they one causes the other. I know there, that you know, autism prevalence in New Jersey is far greater than six or seven autistic children, if, if that's where you went to medical school. Oh, yes. Uh, and we will be right back. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica, and uh, we'll be returning with Dr. Stuart Friedenfeld on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. Inside all of us lives a warrior. We win battles with our careers, our finances, our children, our pets. It's time that the warrior within wins the battles with our own being. Modern-day Renaissance man Ori Hoffmeckler dispels eating urban legends and fitness myths in Voice America Network's The Warrior Within, your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. Ori sets the record straight and will help you become leaner and healthier for a lifetime. The Warrior Within broadcasts live every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in for your guide to nutrition, energy, sex, and survival. If you've tried everything on the market and can't seem to get the radiant results you want from your skincare routine, it's time you stop shopping and start listening. Skin Health Today will help you take charge and start making smart choices for a lifetime of radiant skin and positive self-image. Join host Celeste Hilling and her esteemed panel of experts every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for Skin Health Today on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. 
we're back with Dr. Stuart Friedenfeld of Stockton Family Practice in Stockton, New Jersey. And before we went to break, I was asking Dr. Friedenfeld about uh, conditions, uh, a rise in conditions corresponding with the use of synthetic and other toxic compounds. And Dr. Friedenfeld, do you think that exposure to seemingly less toxic chemicals reduces the body's ability to withstand later insult by more toxic compounds or elements? You know, that, that's a very provocative question, and it, it is not easy to answer um, on, on several levels. One, we don't know what is less toxic because things have not been well studied. Mm. You know, your listeners probably know there's, there's about 87,000 chemicals that we are putting into our environment every year. We have not studied these individually, let alone in combination. And it's the combination that is probably so much more important than the individual substance. Mm-hmm. So, for example, one substance may, in a, in a, in a lab rat experiment, cause a, a small uh, alteration. Well, what happens when we take a second substance that maybe decreases the ability to metabolize that toxin, to detoxify it? or a third substance that weakens an enzyme system that uh, the body uses to minimize the effect of that toxin. Right. We went to a fourth and fifth and eighth and 29th scenario. It is literally impossible to really know what we're doing. And I think that a very, very fundamental learning point from this whole epidemic of autism is that we've got to start paying attention to our world. We cannot take it and and misuse it for ourselves and for the other inhabitants of this planet. We have to be respectful of it. We've got to change what we're doing. Right. I, I think uh, making the whole world out of harmony with pollution has made our bodies out of harmony, too. I agree with you. Well, continuum. And uh, is it true... So from what you're saying, is it true that there are some toxins that could cause a person to be nutritionally deficient in some manner and that would make them more susceptible to other insults? Well, we are nutritionally deficient. You know, the uh, estimates of nutritional adequacy in this country using the really silly notion of blanking on the term, where we decide that the, the, the minimal amount of vitamin C, of magnesium, of zinc that we're supposed to be having, uh, these levels were determined based on uh, what a level of deficiency um, would cause a serious disease in a generally healthy person. So, for example, what, what's the minimum amount of vitamin C that somebody needs to prevent scurvy? Um, uh, what's the minimum amount of a B vitamin to prevent beriberi? Um, these are not the same thing as what level of nutrients we need to be healthy or to maximize our health or what we would need if we were not an average healthy person. So starting from those silly levels, uh, the U.S. Department of Health estimates that about 70% of Americans 
have a diet deficient in things like magnesium, zinc, B6. Well, those are things that we see in the spectrum kids a lot. So even the, the normal American diet is deficient. So it doesn't take much to make us more deficient. If then we have a substance that requires a higher level of magnesium or B6 as part of its detoxification, then we are really in trouble. This is a great... Does that make sense? Yeah, this is a really great point. And I think that for a situation like the fires that were just in California, mm-hmm. or if you're going to have an amalgam removed, you definitely, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, you definitely want to consider stepping up your vitamin C and your uh, glutathione, maybe a vitamin C glutathione IV drip. We have patients who are going to have amalgams removed. We always refer them to a dentist who is biologically trained, who will treat their mouth like we treat their body. Mm. Um, and we will generally recommend that within 24 hours of having the amalgam removed, that they have a an IV treatment with vitamin C and glutathione, just as you said. Yep, so that's an example of how when the body is challenged by suboptimal conditions, you need to step up the nutrients, and I dare say that this whole world is in suboptimal conditions right now. We are chronically challenged. Yeah. Um, in your practice, with children specifically, do you ask any environmentally related intake questions or give environmental related advice to parents whose children have autism or other neurodevelopmental disorders? I, I, in, in the ideal world, I would give nutritional advice to every person I see. Uh, and the environmental advice as well. We actually have a resource guide that I've been working on for the past five years now, I think, uh, which is freely accessible to any of your listeners uh, just through our website. And it gives people a whole host of uh, websites to look at and some uh, direct information for how to identify products that are safe for cleaning their house, for putting on their skin, for washing their babies, for uh, keeping their lawn healthy, for dealing with insects and weeds and um, and on and on and on. Um, places to get dry cleaning done, places mm-hmm. to find uh, organically grown food, uh, what to do about your home water. Uh, mm-hmm. We just keep adding to this resource guide. And it's just it's a nice way to spend hours and hours of, uh, of web searching to learn more about this stuff. And a lot of these products are available in your local health food stores. It's nice to have some background before you go there. Yeah, better to do a web search for healthful items than star search sitting in front of the TV. So, <laughs> And that website is www.stocktonft.com, S-T-O-C-K-T-O-N, F as in family, P as in practice, dot com. You were mentioning uh, how to take care of your lawn. We used to live in a neighborhood where every year the Civic Association would go through a debate about whether to be included in the county spraying for West Nile virus carrying mosquitoes. And recently I called a rental home where fortunately the landlord told me ahead of time that he'd fogged the house and had subterranean pesticide put in. He was actually, you know, using this as a selling point. Um, how do you feel about these routine practices? How many people have you known that have West Nile virus? 
Um, I actually did know one person who had West Nile virus, and she survived. I, I think the number of people that we are going to harm with the insecticide spraying mm-hmm. far exceeds any benefit we might have done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I finally just I had to become president of the Civic Association so I could stomp out any um, push to have this spraying done, and uh, because I, I considered it so. Um, so insidious and so dangerous to my child who was already... Imagine, imagine all the people, I mean, not just the, the kids on the spectrum who are susceptible to pesticides. We know things like Parkinson's is directly related to pesticide exposure. Mm-hmm. We know that these things are terribly dangerous. Yeah. So we spray this in the air. Yeah, what, what people do, what other people do is they um, they make the... Uh, danger seem bigger. They frighten people. They exaggerate the danger. Oh, we do that with all of our vaccines too, don't we? Yeah, and the flu. Yeah, the flu shot. The flu shot. Yeah, that's that's a way to kind of corral people or get people to do, you know, motivate them with fear. Yeah, and another thing I did in case it helps any listeners is to get a doctor's letter saying to the civic association saying that um, spraying the spraying would uh, pesticide spraying would endanger my child. How do we relate specific toxins to specific children or patients? For example, here's another real-life example. Occasionally my son comes home from school and seems upset or his communication book says he was sneezing at school, but he wasn't sneezing at home. And I smell perfume on him, like I'll smell perfume on the top of his head. Could there be a connection? Well, sure. People are, are going to be susceptible to uh, different uh, scents, to different chemicals in the environment. Uh, whether it's just a little irritant, like a sneeze, uh, or a more systemic allergy, or a systemic toxicity. We see a lot of the kids at school with mold growing, and the kids are getting pretty sick with uh, headaches and muscle aches, and uh, they come home complaining. They do the, by the end of the weekend, they're feeling okay. They go back to school on Monday, and they're sick again. Right. Right. You know, your medical practice is about an hour and a half from Brick, New Jersey, where there was a reported autism cluster. Do you think in general that um, higher rates reported in some areas are attributable to prenatal exposures, for example, from water at Superfund sites or postnatal exposures, such as from vaccines, a combination of both or none of this? Well, if it was vaccines, you wouldn't expect Brick to be isolated from the next town over. You would expect it to be a pretty similar rate. Uh, so there's certainly a difference in the amount of autism in vaccinated and unvaccinated populations. But the situation at Brick, I think, has to be uh, some or several environmental toxins. Mm-hmm. There's no other way to explain that. And do you think that the country reached some sort of tipping point in the 1990s with regard to environmental toxins and or vaccines and adverse health outcomes in children? Not only with autism, but with um, allergy, with autoimmune problems. We're seeing a rise in all of this. Mm-hmm. Now, yes, another... Yes, indeed. Another thing, and uh, I mentioned this... Have to go to break, and we'll be right back with Dr. Stuart Friedenfeld. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. Stay tuned. 
opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. Tune in on Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for Healing the Grieving Heart, the program that takes you on a journey through grief after the death of a child. Join Dr. Gloria Horsley, marriage and family therapist and bereaved parent, while she interviews and discusses with other bereaved parents and siblings how they have coped with the death of a child and gone on to create and realize new dreams. So tune in Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for Healing the Grieving Heart with Dr. Gloria Horsley, right here on Voice America Health and Wellness. Holistic living is nutrition for not just your body, but your mind and your soul. Holistic nutrition goes far beyond the foods that we eat or the supplements that we take. Discover natural means to heal your body and regain your innate healing powers. That's Holistic Living with Tina Marie Jones on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Tune in for your weekly dose of good holistic living. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. Before we went to break, we were uh, talking to Dr. Stuart Friedenfeld and I was about to ask him a question about amalgams, which is this. Um, we hear a lot about amalgams, and they're certainly bad news, but how come my mom had amalgams and I don't have autism, but my child does? Well, why an individual develops autism is, is going to be a factor of multiple uh, events, both the genetic environment and your child's genetics are different than yours. Uh, and, as, and what types of exposures that person has. Now, to say that someone has amalgams and, and doesn't get sick from it is like Winston Churchill smoked two packs of cigarettes a day and lived into his mid-90s. It doesn't mean that cigarettes are not harmful. It's just that some of us are going to be more susceptible than others. And there's a lot of reasons for that that are beyond the scope of, of this program. But there are we certainly see people with mouths full of amalgams that I would expect to have huge levels, and yet something about their system they don't have a high body burden. Somebody else with a smaller amount of amalgam may have a very high, very high body burden. Yeah, in no sense playing Russian roulette, and it just also emphasizes um, the need for our uh, governmental agencies not to have one-size-fits-all approaches and that medicine should be individualized. 
um, to the individual. I think that our government, the, the safety features of our government should be there to protect the most endangered, not the average American. Right, right. There, I mean, you, you have to respect all human life and... Um, and non-human life, Terry. I beg pardon? And non-human life. Well, what I, planet. what I mean is, is that, you know, I feel that something like the vaccine program or mandating vaccines for all, that's not respecting um, individuality and that's saying that there are acceptable losses of human life. Absolutely. That's that's what I meant by that. Okay. I, I, I agree with you. Um, what do you tell couples who are hoping to have kids? Well, there are certain things that, that all of us can do, and not that each of us will do every single thing possible. You know, some will want to do everything and, and try to uncover every possible toxin in their environment. I think that... It's pushing the envelope beyond necessity, but there are certain things that we need to learn about, and the resource guide will begin to point you in that direction. Um, and from there, pick and choose. Choose an area that is easy to achieve early on. Maybe, for example, getting rid of plastics, not putting our, our, our water and drinks into plastic containers, not microwaving in plastic. Um, Avoiding styrofoam, um, you know, some simple things. Oh, my gosh, and I guess. Choosing my... organic foods where we can uh, afford that difference. So we start to make little differences. Um, mm -hmm. And choose what works for you. And then as time goes by, it's time to do a little bit more and take the next step in cleaning up your local environment. And I think our local environment is, to a large extent, not only much more within our grasp, but it's probably more important than the overall uh, environment. I think we do better by cleaning up our home and yard than by complaining about the chemical factory down the river. Mm. Well, um, when you see an individual child, how do you begin to unravel what has happened to that child and begin to turn around the child's challenges? You know, sometimes the, the history just blurts out obvious things. If someone tells us that during her pregnancy she had four amalgams drilled out and uh, replaced or had um, root canals done or she had uh, three thimerosal complaining vac uh, containing vaccines and on and on, we start to say, well, that's, that's pretty huge. That's probably going to be a major issue. Or if they had antibiotics near term or the baby had antibiotics and have since had gut issues from early on, you know, that begins to be an obvious point. But the reality is that when we're trying to unravel such a complex situation as autism spectrum, we really need to know where all of the possible roadblocks may be, and evaluate them individually. Um, I often tell people that there is no roadmap. There's not a set way to approach the kids. They don't all fit into a, uh, a same pattern. But we need to know what the map of roads are. We need to know where the possible disruptions may be, how to investigate 
investigate that, how to try and bypass it, how to try and fix it, and how many times we need to attempt it, how many different ways we, we want to try to fix something before we say, well, we've, we've made that effort, let's go somewhere else. And that comes from experience with the evaluation and the history and sometimes just getting a gut sense of an individual. Uh, so some of us being in the presence of somebody helps us understand what they need. Well, I know that you use a variety of healing modalities, including homeopathy and herbs. Excuse me a minute. <coughs> Sorry about that. Do you ever use prescriptions such as low-dose naltrexone with kids on the spectrum? Oh, sure. Sure. Um, and I think that being inclusive, being comprehensive, doesn't mean that we throw away our prescription pad, but it means that we look at the possible ways of healing somebody and choose from a larger menu than we were trained in medical school from the most effective, least toxic, least invasive modalities and work our way down to potentially more problematic treatments if necessary, but to start with the safest and effective treatments. I think that just makes common sense. And again, I apologize for coughing. Um, you mentioned antibiotics earlier. What do you think? Do you think that there's um, things like in, induced labor or early antibiotic use are factors in regression? We certainly see it uh, frequently enough to say there is some sort of a linkage, uh, and we can we can guess at what those linkages might be. Certainly disrupting the biosis of the gut. You know, a baby is intended to be born through a vaginal canal and be exposed to bacteria from the mother's intestine, basically to swallow some poop. Uh, if that doesn't occur, then the bacteria that is supposed to colonize the gut will come from somewhere else. And the babies who are born in hospitals, especially if they've been exposed to antibiotics, will be colonized with hospital bugs. And then we see a lot of Klebsiella and Proteus and some nasty bacteria. And sometimes the gut will develop a, an understanding of what is supposed to be there by that early exposure. So it becomes keyed to accepting Staphylococcus and Proteus and Klebsiella instead of um, Lactobacillus and Bifidobacter that should be in a healthy well-balanced gut. Oh, my gosh. And what is the role of food allergy and other lab testing, diet, and supplements? Um, there are so many tests that are available. Um, I have tried to minimize our testing as much as possible. A lot of tests get expensive. Um, there are things that I think are helpful in in, in gearing up a, a treatment approach, uh, basically uh, thinking about when we're going to do um, a next intervention and in what order we might try things based on some pretty simple testing. But I try to avoid uh, gearing a, a treatment based on a test. I think those are just windows that give 
give us a view, and we as physicians need to interpret that and put it all into a, a conglomerate that we understand the individual. Uh, we, we, testing should be there to confirm what we have already um, felt to be the case and not the other way around. Wow. You're like talking about using intuition and discernment and medical art. <laughs> oh, my God. Is that radical? <laughs> In this day and age, I think it might be. Um, well, I think you're right. I mean, we've gone to the MRI instead of doing a knee exam. I, uh, I think I recall a quote that Dr. Wakefield made quoting somebody else where they had said, when in doubt, examine the patient. <laughs> yeah. A favorite quote. You had mentioned um, AKM and chelation earlier. When is it time to decide whether chelation is appropriate? How do you decide what kind, and can this be done more safely? Well, I think that chelation can be done extremely safely. Um, to chelate, any time we're going to detoxify a person, whether it's a child or an adult, we need to make sure that the person is in a good enough state to allow toxins to leave. Yeah, the body in an unhealthy state will actually sequester toxins. It'll keep them in as if they were nutrients. Mm -hmm. um, so we want to make sure that the person is well-nourished. They've got adequate vitamins and minerals on board. They're eating a healthy diet. They are moving their bowels in a regular way. Right. You know, the intestines is geared to reabsorb nutrients that are put out as part of our normal physiology. So with the, with the liver excretes, we intend to reabsorb a good deal of it, including most of the minerals. Mm. If the liver excretes mercury in the bile, typically 99% of it will be reabsorbed. Mm. And it just gets recirculated. The, our system was geared up to protect magnesium load and, and our zinc and to keep our mineral status in the body. We weren't geared up to deal with a polluted world. Right. As evolution continues another few hundred thousand years. We will be, those who survive, will be good at that. We'll be able to live in a toxic soup. But right now, a lot of people are getting sick. Oh, my um, goodness. So there are ways to bind up those metals in the intestine so they don't get reabsorbed. But basically, you need to have the bowels moving as part of that. You don't want the stool to sit there right. and allow it to uh, release the toxic material back into the body. Right. Okay. And um, on that thought, not allowing the stool to sit there and have the toxins reabsorbed into the body, we will be right back with Dr. Stuart Friedenfeld after the break. Stay tuned. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the 
complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymedica.com. JackLaVane.com presents Jack Lane Live on the Voice America Health and Wellness Radio Network. Each week, Jack is joined by Elaine LaLane and his nephew, bodybuilder, kinesiologist, and personal trainer, Chris LaLane, to answer your questions and help you overcome your fitness roadblocks. That's three times the diet and fitness know-how. Three times the entertainment. Tune in every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific to Jack LaLane Live on the Voice America Health and Wellness Radio Network. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Dr. Stuart Friedenfeld, and I would like to remind you that Dr. Friedenfeld's Website at Stockton Family Practice is www.stocktonfp.com where you can see the resource guide to which he referred. And Dr. Friedenfeld, before we went to break, we were talking about not letting the stool just sit there so that toxins can be reabsorbed. And I guess that would be a good reason to clean up the gut, heal the gut first. Amongst many reasons, the gut is part of our immune system that we started off this uh, talk with. So we have to have that healthy for that reason as well. Uh, we need to absorb our nutrients through our gut. Right. Um, and that would also impact when we decide to do chelation. Yes. Yeah, so you want to have the, a healthy gut as well as a healthy liver and a healthy kidney to make sure that the toxins don't stay in there. It would be like cleaning out the uh, uh, some of your rooms without having the the truck's ready to haul the trash away from your curb or just sticking it in your hallway. You would get pretty congested with all the trash piled up. So we need to have our body flowing to get things out of the body. Um, you would also have to about deciding what types of detoxification, what type of chelation to do, if I remember. Yeah? Yeah. So if there was a history of lots of amalgam and uh, mercury-type exposure, then we want to use a chelator that is going to be good at picking up uh, mercury. If uh, a child lives near uh, an airport where there are propeller planes, you know, the aviation gas was never deleaded, so there's loads of lead pouring out of our propeller planes. Um, or, or if there's other lead-type exposure, then we're going to want to use a chelator that's going to be better at picking up lead. And sometimes you need to do a little fishing and try different chelators and see which one pulls out the the, uh, the best um, uh, release of toxic uh, metals. The other thing is that you have to realize that there are other chemicals in our environment, and it turns out that many of these chelators are actually very good at pulling out some of those chemicals as well. Mm. So we may think we are fixing somebody because we're taking out that little bit of, uh, of lead or arsenic or cadmium, but maybe the improvement we're seeing 
is because of uh, many, many other chemicals that are being released as well. Wow, good point. Uh, you said that people may evolve to uh, be able to withstand all of this pollution. I Did I hear you correctly? Yep. Oh, my gosh. I kind of think that if we go at this rate with the pollution and, and people becoming resistant to it, we're all going to end up looking like the the cast who was in the bar at Star Wars or something. <laughs> well, uh, whatever it takes. It you know, evolution occurs because there is a genetic availability. Our genes don't change in response to the environment. Those with the genetic uh, ability to uh, flow with the punches are the ones that will survive. That's what evolution is. Gosh, I think we'll be the next generation of Klingons or something. (laughs) Well, how do you feel about things like hyperbaric oxygen, and is there a right way, wrong way, right time, or wrong time to do it? Um, Hyperbaric is another one of those wonderful treatments that is helpful in improving circulation. A lot of the kids have uh, circulatory problems to the brain, uh, it's a great way of getting toxins out of the brain. Um, and I think that it is helpful in a large percentage of the kids. Um, I generally, like everything else, I, I want the whole system working well. So I, I would never want to start off with hyperbaric. I would never start off with chelation. We're always going to start off with the fundamentals of nutrition, getting the basic vitamins on board, getting the body systems working, and then go to detoxification pathways. Mm-hmm. Very wise. Well, I know that you have talked about um, some individuals who you've seen in your practice um, who you've helped, so I'd appreciate it if you could share some of your success stories with listeners. Oh, um, I don't know where to start. We have so many, uh, fortunately. Um, I think perhaps the one that I am fondest of, I, I am joined here with a nurse who is a mother of two kids on the spectrum uh, who first came to me as a patient. Uh, she had juvenile rheumatoid arthritis and has, has, is now the, I think the oldest surviving uh, juvenile rheumatoid arthritis patient on the, uh, on the Northeast. Um, she had two children, so when we treated her rheumatoid and got her feeling better in that way, she started bringing her kids, and I just had a sense about what a wonderful healer she was who was busying herself taking care of her kids now. And I told her that if I can recover your kids, you've got to come and work for me. Mm. And this has been a blessing for, for me and our patients. And she has so much to offer, having been through this and having seen her two kids recover to such a wonderful extent. Um, and not to be able to share her pathway with so many others and her insightfulness. Um, her youngest son was the most severely affected, um, and his turnaround occurred in, in several junctures. Probably the most significant was his first glutathione injection. This was given intravenously, and this child who at that time had a few uh, one-word, uh, you know, very few words that he would use, after his glutathione, uh, went home that evening, crawled up onto his mother's lap, picked up her necklace, and said, Mommy's necklace. 
and then proceeded to walk around the house with his mother, who was in tears at that point, and pointing out lamp and light switch and rug and chair and just began talking. And it was just amazing. Um, but we see this with, with so many different uh, uh, parameters. I've seen a child who, um, just from uh, zinc, you know, we, we, we have these certain things that we start off in the beginning, and just starting him on zinc cleared up a severe gastrointestinal problem, chronic diarrhea, and he began speaking. Wow. Nearly neurotypical just from zinc. So it's important that we really do evaluate all of the aspects of uh, the, the areas that may become disrupted to look at them, to open up the box, see what's in it, feel it, check it out, and work with that. And uh, I think it's the skillful uh, healer who, who can go through a whole variety of treatments and work with them and interface them with others. Right, skill. That's a good point. Uh, um, a skilled discerning healer rather than just a pat, pat, prescription pat. And the most important source is the moms and dads. They have so much information, and, and sometimes you need to empower them to trust in what they're seeing so that they can report what's going on and help us in uh, finding the path for that child. Right, that's a good point because I think that our, over the years, um, people have been socialized to have their uh, intuition squashed. <laughs> oh, shameful. Yeah, not, not to trust their instincts, not to trust their parenting, and empowering the parents is a, uh, very uh, necessary and, and right. Um, do you have any closing remarks you'd like to make of anything we haven't covered or any important points about things that people should watch out for? I think the important thing is that these kids can recover and to never give up the hope and never accept the statement that there's nothing can be done. And that goes for no matter what severity and no matter what age, we've heard too much negativism about you know, we have to get the kids fixed by uh, you know, five years, two months, and 14 days or they'll never recover. We have kids that do wonderful into their late teens and early 20s, and I don't think there's any time that we can't improve a toxic situation. Right. I know you talked about a boy who was called Tommy who was first seen at your practice at 16 years old. He was 16, yeah. And uh, he has done wonderfully now. He is uh, getting on with his life, and he will be able to uh, live independently and, and be a contributor. That's wonderful. Thank you for bringing him that hope. And Dr. Friedensfeld, thank you for sharing this enlightened approach with us and helping to turn kids around on the road to recovery. Well, thank you for doing what you do, Terry. And thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. To our listeners, next week my guest is Dr. Aristo Bojdani of Immunosciences Lab Incorporated discussing immune abnormalities in autism. For questions about this program, please email me at tiaranga at autismone.org. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Enzymedica.
Medica would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit AutismOne.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. Thank you.